This episode is made possible by our generous patrons. To learn more, visit patreon.com forward slash ink to film. Welcome to the ink to film podcast where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm James and I'm Luke. And this week, we discuss Ramin Barani's 2018 sci-fi film, Fahrenheit 451. Let's save a book and upload it to the Dark Nine. everybody so we watched fahrenheit 451 hbo's feature and that's kind of capping off our coverage of fahrenheit 451 we did two book episodes and now this one yeah those book episodes were a lot of fun uh it was it was cool to revisit that old classic uh which i found to be really uh powerful and applicable to today a lot of the things that are going on there are certain parts of it that didn't age very well but you can get back to those you know if you want to check out our previous two episodes you can see our our thoughts about ray bradbury's book but uh yeah this episode's all about the movie so this the the kind of the format of what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to do talk about the filmmaker a little bit and then do non-spoiler so if you haven't seen it you can kind of get our thoughts on it and then we'll jump into a spoiler section we'll let you know when that is so if you don't want to get spoiled sounds good okay so the filmmaker ramin Bobrani, who i have no i don't know maybe i have seen something of his what i'm curious to find out i feel like i don't know this person so he, I, I have heard of him before. I haven't actually seen any of his work, but there's a couple that I've been wanting to get back and watch. He's an American director and screenwriter, and some of his films are Man Pushed Cart, from two, that's 2005, uh, Chop Shop was 07, and then 99 Homes was in 2015. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know any of those movies. 99 Homes was the one that when it came out, I was like, oh, I should definitely see that, and I heard that it was pretty good. I knew that Chop Shop was like a, a good movie that people liked, but in my research, I actually found that Roger Ebert listed Barani's film Chop Shop as the sixth best film of the 2000s. Wow. Yeah, and he hailed Barani as the director of the decade. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Okay, so he, he did have like, that That seems like when he first came onto the scene, he, he kind of came in with a splash a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like he he had some really good work early on, and and I mean, Ninety Nine Homes was twenty fifteen, so I heard I heard yeah. that was pretty good when that came out. So yeah, I was basically unfamiliar with the with Barani, and and I'm interested to to watch Ninety Nine Homes and Chop Shop, but all in all, I think we should just start talking about his movie here that we we just watched, Fahrenheit four fifty one. Yeah, let's do it, man. So these will just be general thoughts. I'm gonna let you have the floor first. I want to hear your thoughts, general thoughts. No spoilers okay. for now. Yeah, we have not talked about this at all prior to the, this recording. So I don't know exactly how you're going to feel about this movie. For me, it was a bit of a flop. It had a lot of passion. It had a lot of anger behind it. It had a lot of, it felt like it had something it really wanted to say, but it also felt jumbled. It felt a bit confused at times. There's also, I think one of the key things for dystopian fiction is I, I have to believe the world and I never quite got there with this world. So that always kind of kept me at arm's length. I was very aware that I was watching a movie. I, I, I struggled to get immersed in it. So you combine those things, that kind of confusion and then kind of the disjointed nature of it. I think there was some like heavy handed messaging or heavy handed dialogue. Um, and then you, you add in the world that didn't quite pass the smell test for me as far as like being a real world. Yeah, it equals it equals a movie that just didn't land for me, unfortunately. And it's a bummer. Yeah, I have to agree with you, man. I got to be honest. Um, I was really looking forward to this and I like Michael B. Jordan. I like Michael sure. Shannon. But for me, it was just, I guess, the excitement of reading the book and then going into this. My expectations were really high. And, and like you said, it was just like disengaged. Like I, I was never able to connect to the characters. It's kind of an updated version of the story. So there were like ways that I could see that Barani was trying to make like commentary on things that are going on now. But yeah, for me, it's just it, it ended up not feeling nearly as as important or like weighty as the book did after because i mean we talked about it at the end of our book coverage it was just like it left me feeling uh, with without any spoilers it left me feeling like a certain type of way <laughs> it left me <laughs> a feeling type of way not a good way it left me feeling yeah it left me feeling down so what did you what did you think of our of our leads i guess so we got michael b jordan michael shannon and then sophia butella for me, uh, Michael Shannon was was still Michael Shannon in this movie. I, I think he was somewhat muted. 
I feel like he, he had a certain material to work with and he he did a great job with what I think he was given. I just find, I think he's like one of the, the greatest character actor, like villains that we have right now. Uh, he's solid. Uh, yeah, Michael Shannon and I thought, I mean, he, I think he was the highlight of the movie for me. I, yeah. I think he was, he was compelling. I, I think they added some nice depth to that character that was maybe a little more flat actually in the book or just a little bit more one note. Um, now there was some interesting complexity to the character in the book. I don't want to take away from that, but they really like amped that up in the movie. And I found that pretty compelling. And then a lot of his scenes, he just like, he does menacing so well. He does kind of crazy pretty well in a certain way, like a controlled, like insanity. I don't know. There was a lot to like, I think about Michael Shannon's performance. And if you're going to see the movie, I think that's a good reason to. He was he was a highlight for me. I do think that so far we've started, and and I don't want people to get get too down on this coverage because like there are things that, there are redeeming qualities I feel in this movie. There there, yeah. I think it was shot very well. I think there was a lot to like in it, but for, for me, it, these are these things going forward are, are mostly most of the things that are sticking with me. On to on to Michael B. Jordan. What what were your thoughts on Michael B. Jordan? Yeah, I I mostly liked his portrayal. But I, I think my problems with Montag in this movie were more how the character was written and, and that it felt, you know, when I talked about Disjointed earlier, it, it felt like there was elements of backstory that they were trying to make important and, like, explain his actions without, you know, getting into specifics. It, it, it never really came together, so he felt very, mis- like, um, his actions felt unearned, I guess, narratively. And so I struggled with that character some. And I don't blame Michael B. Jordan, though, because I think he did a pretty good job with what he was given. I mean, I agree with you. And for the most part, I think he did a good job. But I have to say that there were times that I was like, what are you doing, man? Like, I just I felt like he was he was I don't know. I haven't seen Michael Michael B. Jordan like that in a movie very often. So I was kind of surprised to see it was just like what what um, do you mean? He was just like, I know that maybe this was the intent, but like early on, there was like no emotion for like the first like 30 minutes, but it was, it wasn't like no emotion. Like I'm, I, I'm like crazy. It was like, I could like, I couldn't get a read on him. I couldn't attach to him. Um, yeah. but I will like, as the movie progressed, I think that they added a little more depth and it may have been intended to be that way, but I just felt like it, it was, it wasn't one of my favorite performances that he's ever had. Oh, I mean, we've seen way better <laughs> out of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, I, I, and just because something's intended doesn't necessarily mean it works either, right? Like, it could still be intended and not work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I get you there. The other character is Clarice Sophia Botella. Um, how did you feel about Clarice? And I guess without being spoilery, we can say that she, her role has been changed a little bit. So, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I, we're going to have to revisit this, I think, in the spoiler section because... Her character was changed pretty dramatically. Uh, what I will say is that I thought she did a good job making us like a character that we probably shouldn't like. And so, like, the actress, I think, really brought a certain, I don't know, likability to the character. So, in, in limited screen time. And that's, that's tough to do. So, uh, you know, I'm going to give her credit for that. Uh, so, yeah, I thought, she, I thought she did a fine portrayal. Um, I have problems with the character, how it was written. I agree. I feel like a lot of this comes down to material because I almost want to blame some of these actors for some of the things that are going on, but you have to take a step back and realize like the material that they're given. I I felt like she was like, she was my, I mean, there was a lot of other minor actors, but of these three, she was definitely my least favorite. I never bought her really. I I just never thought that she was a character, an interesting character in really any Mm -hmm. way. It's like a character we've seen a million times and, and, nothing was new and she didn't have any agency and i don't know it was like i said mostly comes down to writing but i don't know it was just all in all not not for me i think i would put her on the level with michael b jordan as both being okay like i said to me Mm -hmm. the only standout was michael shannon in this movie right okay so before we get into spoilers i wanted to ask you because so far we've been kind of down on the movie i wanted to ask you some positives um non-spoiler just general positives that you noticed throughout okay like I said at the top, passion. I think this movie wants to say something, it desperately wants to. I think it is trying to make a social commentary about today. I think it it's trying to say positive things about needing to have uh, a preservation of literature and the right to, you know, free speech and fr- the freedom to read. All these things from the book, like it, it really wants them in the movie. 
and okay, so the bad part of that is that it doesn't necessarily work. But to to, to linger on the good, I it, that that to me makes me think the move like the movie means well, which I which I approve. Yeah, I do agree. That was m- most of my highlight was just that I can definitely see what he was trying to do with the social commentary he was trying to make. Obviously, like the emoji thing and the idea that like some works were hyper condensed and and had like emojis as the way that you would read them. I felt like there was some definitely cool ideas. Some of the technology was really cool looking. I agree. There was a lot of good ideas. I, I, there were certain things about their vision of the future that rang true. The the, the sort of live stream technology, which uh, they put on their social media and stuff, where Montag is uh, giving this like talk about burning books and all this stuff. And like there's just emojis popping up all over the screen as people like it and whatever. That was very timely, I think, for, to our culture. And that stuff all really worked. And was some of the highlights, and and that was an interesting, you know, shift because none of that's in the book. That's kind of like a an updated detail. Um, I did notice this dystopian world they're setting up. It, you know, there was a lot of cool stuff about it. There, I mean, in cool and you know, dark way. Um, there was a, there was reference to a second civil war, uh, which was you know pretty frightening, but also feels possible. You know, so it's dark. Um, it's like that cautionary tale feeling you get from the book was definitely present here. But, you know, the world, like, I, I don't know if you noticed, like, it's always nighttime when we're in the city. Yeah. Um, it, everything's dark. Uh, the, the, everything feels very goth or, like, modern goth. I don't know what it is. Like, the aesthetic was very dark. And so much so that it was distracting, distracting and it just didn't feel legitimate to me. And that's part of the reason why I said, like, I, I struggled to get into it. Uh, the world didn't feel lived in. And the, the houses these people lived in... Um, didn't feel like houses. They, they they felt like movie sets. And that was something that, like I said, I kept not believing that I was in a real place. I kept thinking I'm in a movie. Um, and then I don't know if you noticed, but there was a bunch of uh, like animals would just pop up on screens and stuff. And I, I couldn't think, I couldn't help but think that they were desperately trying to connect this movie to Blade Runner, the Blade Runner series, mm-hmm. which we covered <laughs> um, and loved the hell out of. Um, but it was like, it was a very like, hey, think about Blade Runner when you see this owl that pops up randomly. <laughs> right, um, there was definitely try- they were definitely trying to get some of that like noir, like yeah. it, it, like nighttime neon, like neo-noir yeah. type thing. It, it, but it wasn't earned though, you know? And it, it was very like, uh, I don't know, it felt it felt obvious to me that they were trying to tr- trying to get you to think of those better, superior movies. <laughs> this this movie is supposed to be about how society society has gone wrong and it's like yeah. they've tr- gone down a path that they can't come back from for now and and they've done it to themselves and in this situation like i didn't feel any of that we didn't see enough people being affected by these things it was literally just montag Beatty, and clarice and yeah. i don't really know what else random background characters yeah. do anything yeah. and so it, it just felt like it, it was it was it was so contained that, like you said, it just didn't feel very believable. And I think that's what it comes down to because, we, like we said before, I, I just couldn't connect and, and it was a lot of, I think that had a lot to do with it. Well, I mean, it's kind of a bummer too because, like we've said, we, we both enjoyed, really enjoyed the book and I, 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 it was my second time reading it and I loved revisiting it and I had high hopes for this movie. So I wanted it to be good. And, you know, like I don't enjoy coming on here and, <laughs> you know, tearing apart a movie or shitting on a movie. Like I am someone who believes in being positive and supporting the things that you love so when i love something i i want to like shout it from the mountaintops and that's one of the reasons why i don't want to do this podcast but you know i also got to keep it real and be truthful and when i don't enjoy something you know what i mean otherwise then it doesn't mean anything so right um that being said like i i have to you know yeah i think we're definitely trying to give constructive criticism like we're not here to just like tear a movie apart and say that it's bad because of this because people did work on this and it was you know a lot of people toiled over it so i I completely agree it's 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 not fun but we got to keep it real and we gotta we gotta say what we feel so i think this is a great point to move into the actual spoiler coverage and and really dive into it so if you haven't seen it yet come back later after you have or Or if you don't care just listen on (laughs) if you decided you're not going to see it and you just want to hear us talk about it yeah stick around <laughs> all right so fahrenheit 451 spoilers i think yeah we there's a couple things that we need to address right away because it's like burning things that we need to talk about but more okay. after that i think we'll go more chronologically um okay go hit me with it okay this dna thing that's not how <laughs> dna works right? uh yeah uh you know i i i know i know enough about dna and information technologies and stuff like that to know that i don't know everything 
You know what I mean? Like to know that there's a lot of unexplored stuff. And I'm not ready to sit here and say 100% certain that something like this could never happen. But I will say this movie does a terrible job at making you believe it and giving right. you any sort of science behind it at all. It's very ham-fisted. It's very, you know, hand-wavy. The premise is that there's a piece of DNA in a bird that they, they implanted in there, and it, it holds all of the information of the internet and all movies and all books and all this other stuff. Now, that that is possible it's because omnis, we know, right? but we know people are doing that. Like, people have done that and, like, like put things into the, like, genetic code of other things like that I, I believe that's like a thing that's actually happening or people have done but my thing is, is like as i don't soon know as you, man maybe as, i i mean i believe so i i could be totally wrong but i thought i had heard of that that a similar thing to that happening At, where like, people are storing uh, like, information like in dna like, like people are like, storing so information in dna but the thing of it is is like hmm. if you store that dna if you're putting that into a bird's dna isn't that going to cause genetic mutations and stuff like i don't think that you can change know, genetic man. code like that and then not we have need any... a geneticist on here to yeah to, i don't tell know us. yeah because like i don't know and then the other thing is like if you implant it in one bird the idea that it's going to spread exactly. to like everything that seems like a huge leap um that I the omnis in general derails the whole movie. That wasn't it wasn't like it was smooth sailing before that, but the omnis to me just broke the movie because it made right. everything not, don't and nothing made sense anymore. All the actions everyone were taking didn't make sense anymore. <laughs> we talked about in our in our book episode how we wanted this movie. We wanted the ending to have a similar bang to the end of the book and. I was so disappointed. I predicted that it wasn't going to, though. Yeah, you so did. I was right in that regard. But I was so bummed out that they went so, like, it was so, like, minuscule feeling. Like, I was just like, this isn't, it just didn't feel nearly close to what, what I was expecting and what I was hoping for. For me, yeah. for me, the DNA thing, just the third act kind of fell off. I mean, it introduces a lot of problems. Okay, so it has all information on it, right, in this bird. Do you remember, like, they were trying to do something with the bird, like, give it to somebody to, like, extract the DNA or something? I think so, yeah. I think they were they were planning on storing it. They wanted, like, all animals, all yeah. everything to have I mean, And we're skipping DNA. ahead to the end, I know. But yeah. whatever. For this movie, we, let's just jump around. Yeah. Um, Montag releases the bird out the skylight, and it flies off, and then we see at the end it's joined all the other birds, and I think the heavily implication is that all's good now the information is going to proliferate throughout all of nature that's what i got at least right because it's very it was very bright and you actually see the sun for i think the first time in the movie and i was like what the fuck why didn't they do that all like there was nothing stopping them from doing that they had right. the bird in cage for no reason if that was going to happen well i think i think the original idea was to put, they put like the little tracker thing on it and like they were going to try to get it to wherever it needed to go apparently all it needed to go was out the window because it was going to be right. fine you know what i mean right. like that's yeah, not man. hard open the cage that's all you have to do yeah <laughs> like i said man the ominous just doesn't make sense to me and then also it, it invalidates a lot of what they were saying like she says at one point when that when uh, that lady died, um, the grapes of wrath died with her. She was the last copy. Right. Yet all information is in that d piece of DNA, so she's not the last copy. There right. is that is on there, so yeah. that's not true. It's a lie, or it's like I don't get like it, it invalidates so many things. It's well, so maybe weird. like all information, you know what I mean? Like they well, all I, the information okay. that they had compiled in their little database or anything. It but, takes all the but, teeth off of the burning of the books. Like right. it makes it so that all doesn't matter. Right, but the thing like is, that's nothing's exactly, actually been lost. Well, that's exactly how I feel about a certain other subject. Is is they're living in this age, right, where there's computers and they're uploading everything. Yeah. It, do you know how much, like, you know how many ebooks you could put on a flash drive? Yeah. Like, a, a ridiculous amount. So it's like all these books that they're saving and stuff, why aren't they just storing all of it on flash drives and stuff and just, like, running around with flash drives rather than trying to have libraries full of books? And I understand, well, like, physical they, they, copies they, have, like, a yeah. certain, like, importance it, to them. But... They, they, I mean, you could have you could have addressed that more by saying that there was, like, uh, some sort of virus that was being, you know that was on the on the nine or on the dark nine that you know there was like hackers that were corrupting files and like stuff like that you could you could say that the because i like the idea that the hard copy of a book is totally disconnected from technology and so in some sense it is kind of protected from it like you have to come physically burn it to right. get rid of it yeah um but yeah you're right i mean there should be a bunch of jump drives and stuff but i don't know there's something kind of cool about the the idea of like totally analog you know no internet 
books, physical books, like that is a way to protect yourself from from cybercrime and, and, and hackers and, and viruses and all that stuff. I just feel like once you get them on the flash drives, you don't connect to the internet anymore if you don't need to. You know what I mean? I just mean like for the convenience sake of carrying this information instead of having to memorize all these books and stuff. Well, yeah, and then there could be like, they could have, maybe maybe these firemen have devices. I mean, we, we assume that they do, although we just see them kind of smashing things with like a like axe. But it could be <laughs> like, you know, some sort of thing that wipes wipes drives if it gets near it like that kind of stuff right um there there would definitely would be ways to combat it um but yeah you know it doesn't matter because all of that doesn't matter if all data is on this thing anyway so yeah okay so Nothing's i feel lost. like we've we've hit on on uh some stuff that we is there anything else you want to touch on before we try to go through the beginning <laughs> that's upsetting <laughs> <laughs> uh i mean i have a million little things so let's just start going okay. through whatever right, we let's talk about pop back to the beginning a little bit so the first part is basically like Montag enjoying his life and he's going and doing his job and burning books. And and really the only time we start to see any conflict, we do see him like, I guess we get a glimpse of him being in conflict with with like the VHS tapes and all that. Well, there, there's a boxing match early with Beatty. It's our introduction to Beatty. And uh, I just want to say I like Michael Shannon. I think he's a, he's an intimidating dude. But there's no universe in which I think he could beat Michael B. Jordan in a boxing match. No, no way. No That's way, Creed, dude. man. You can't beat Creed. <laughs> it's Creed. It's fucking uh, Killmonger. Killmonger. Like, yeah. You, yeah, okay, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna beat him, Michael Shannon. I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, whatever. Um, I did like that he said, uh, you know, he loses a tooth, and then, and they say something like, uh, "We'll have the doctor print you a new one." I thought right. that was cool because I, I think that's somewhere that is a believable step in technology that we could get to. I'm sure so. somebody could do that now if they, if you really needed it. 3d yeah. printed well it depends are, are you 3d printing a, a fake tooth that's that is probably doable now what's interesting sure. is one day the idea that we could pre- 3d print a real tooth right and that's pretty cool yeah definitely i still don't understand like people talk about like 3d print this is getting off topic but how do you 3d print food somebody was telling me that you can like they're trying to start 3d printing food yeah man you have to you, i mean it's what are you what are you printing it out of is it going to be the question and it's going to be like protein like some sort of proteins I don't know. I don't know the science behind it enough, but I think a lot of it comes down to what is your what is your materials you're working with at the beginning. And if you can get the right set of materials, it's whatever goes into food. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you you're 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 taking that raw material and you're combining it genetically and, and you know, whatever into a way that is food um, like they, they they're already making artificial meat and stuff like that. So. Yeah, um, it is something that they're doing, and I think it's a great way to move because if we can move away from farms and slaughtering, you know, cows by the millions, and instead have three D printed steaks that taste identical, sign me up. For sure. Anyway, that's kind of unrelated to this, but <laughs> hey, man, I'm just cool, trying to find. Cool I know you ideas, to, right? <laughs> you don't want to talk about three D printing for half an hour? <laughs> yeah, it's such a big part of this this movie. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about how early on the. The firemen are kind of these like they're almost like celebrities or like or like what I thought they were similar to was like they were like sports athletes because they had like their social media and they like got really pumped up and got got each other pumped up to go out and burn these books. And they had their their song. Oh, my God. The song. Um, every song, there was like multiple chants and, and songs in this movie and they were all terrible. Well, how they about all when, super cringy? Uh, did you, did you buy in when Clarice and, and Michael and Montag were playing the, the, uh, harmonica? Oh my God. I, I, I wrote down in my notes, least sexy instrument <laughs> possible for the, for the situation. Here, try this out. <laughs> like, like, like this not. Why didn't she just pull out like a full like saxophone or something? <laughs> I don't know, man. Saxophones are better than harmonicas. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, the saxophone is very sexy, right? <laughs> uh, man, it was just... Uh, that, that, yeah, anyway. Back about the firemen, though. I do want to give them credit because I think that's a cool idea. Right. What I want from an idea like that, though, is to see personalities in our firemen. To see that, you know, think about, like, a movie like Predator, where every person in that small group of soldiers stands out with his own personality. You kind of get to know each character. Mm-hmm. In this movie, there's Montag, there's Beatty, and then there's, what, Douglas, who's, like, forgettable and, and terrible. And then every other fireman is worse than that because they're literally nothing. They're just faces in a crowd. And I don't buy... Like, I want to see personalities, you know what I mean? I want to see I want to see why these guys are popular. I want to yeah. see each guy have his own brand, you know, his own way he burns things or whatever it is. Like, you could have fun with that. And, like... This movie desperately needed to have a little fun, 
because yeah. it, it, there was very little fun to be had. I, I like the idea, though, uh, um, like you said, of the social media aspect as well, because it's like yeah. um, that kind of we see it now, but that kind of influence can can cause people to do crazy things. And and you could see, totally see somebody buying into this even more because of a social media aspect and people cheering him on every day and, and being there's like fans and all that. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty believable, and I thought that was a nice yeah. little update to the. It was a good idea. Game. I just I just wanted more of it, you know. I wanted yeah. them to do more with it, run with it a bit more. I agree. Uh, oh, also, we find out that the name of this group of re- rebels is the Eels, right? And okay, it's you know it reminds me of like the Fireflies from Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm fine with them having this name. What I don't understand is why they are called the Eels. Right. I was waiting for that the entire movie. I don't think you can name them the Eels and not explain it. Right. But they do. They kept saying like they kept saying like they're slippery little eels and all this other stuff. Is that and did they okay, maybe that's the explanation, just that they're slippery. Well, I don't I don't well, I don't know if it's like <laughs> the main reason why. I just know that uh-huh. Michael Shannon said something about slippery eels at one point and I was like, yeah. okay. So I also have another question for you. See if you can see if you, you can explain this to me. Shoot. When they capture an eel, they burn your fingerprints yes. and they sentence you, quote unquote, to some number of years without an identity. Right. Is the implication? So I think what does that do? I so I thought this was an interesting idea also in theory, but I don't know if it had been explained better, maybe it would have made sense, but what I was getting from it was that they're like co- they're burning or copying like your fingertips like they're seeing that fingertip and then any I, i'm assuming everything in everyday life is controlled by fingertips so maybe you can't buy things maybe you can't like i don't know vote maybe i don't know that there's voting in this, this world but th- these are all these are all great explanations we don't get any of them in the movie <laughs> right i want like that would have been a perfect way to use clarice as a character because she's been sentenced to this Right. Show us what life is like. Now we see her living in a slum, but we don't like we don't see her unable to use, like you said, like use public buildings. We don't see her um, unable to get a job or whatever it is. Like we don't know what's being caused by the by the by the fingerprint thing, other than we just assume all of it. I guess. Yeah. It needed to be explained. I guess, yeah, I agree. What I'm saying we needed to see an example. Them sentencing people to this fate. I don't know. It just didn't seem that bad. It was like, yeah, they're already living outside of the freaking society anyway with their with their like a contraband graffiti. Yeah. Um. So, so it wasn't like they were upstanding citizens up to that point. It didn't seem like most of them. So when they first brought it out, I was like, "Holy shit, this is gonna be brutal." I, I thought they were gonna like cut their fingers at like the at like the knuckle or something. Oh yeah. And I was like, "This is <laughs> that's nuts. That's crazy. That's so." We crazy. don't even see like like burnt fingertips or anything. We just no. hear them go ah, and that's it. Yeah, I thought we were gonna lose <laughs> fingers, and I was like, "That's not a bad idea." Speaking of burnt, like I wanted to see Michael Shannon's fucking hand, Beatty's hand, after holding it over that lighter. He doesn't get burned, dude. No, dude. Show it to me. I want to see. <laughs> yeah. I want to see barbecued palm. Because yeah. if you hold your hand over an open flame that long, uh, you don't have a fucking palm anymore. It's just gonna be like rib meat. Right. I don't know. <laughs> it's not gonna be pretty. Oh, I feel like this is a good. I, point. I, I, can't, I, I didn't like that scene, man. It felt. It felt like very like fake macho. It was like I'm such a badass man that uh, I don't feel fire when it's on my skin. That's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and like fine your pain tolerance is crazy like i could get behind that but show us at physical evidence of what you've gone through show us a nasty burned up palm why why not man definitely should have been like an insert of the burnt hand before we move on we want to tell you about something pretty exciting we started a patreon it, we just see it as a, a way to connect even more with our listeners and and we're going to be bringing exclusive content to people who become patrons yeah man it's it's um it's a lot of fun. We've been having fun with it. We're doing we're doing bonus episodes. Well, we've done one so far. We're going to do another one. Our first one has our Infinity War reaction. Um, and then our idea is to have like adaptation news. Um, but we're also open to feedback. Um, we're hoping people will give us ideas for what they'd like to hear from these bonus episodes. But we'll be recording another one here in June uh, soon. I know we're going to talk about the uh, casting of Aragorn for, for the new TV series, a young Aragorn. Maybe come up with some some dream casts for that. Um, nope. anyway, we're excited about it. Uh, we have three reward levels, uh, $1, $3 and $10 each gets you different things. Uh, the $10 gets you like, um, some cool actual physical gear that we, we've been getting a uh, bookmark, a uh, pin, a uh, magnet, 
uh, sticker, stuff like that. Um, cool stuff. Um, so if you want that, you can sign up for that for the highest level. But um, to get all access to all the content, three dollar level, um, we'll get you everything you need to get. Um, you can get the you can get the fa- secret Facebook group. Where we're going to have polls about future projects. Um, you're going to get uh, you're going to get the, the exclusive bonus episodes like we talked about. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, if you want to check that out, just go to, uh, patreon.com forward slash ink to film and you can see it all laid out there. Um, but like you said, we're, we're not trying to make money. We're trying to, we're trying to make, make this podcast pay for itself first and foremost. And then we're also trying to do improvements. So that's our goal eventually, right? Is to, is to start doing upgrades. Definitely. So yeah, if you wanted to go become a patron, we would highly appreciate that. That would be awesome. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash ink to film. Okay, so how did I, I guess we should touch on this really quickly because it's seemingly important to the story. Um, sure. About Montag's dad plot line, like he was like <laughs> having dreams. I love the way you said it's seemingly important to the storyline. Uh, that's exactly my thoughts. Like, okay, this seems to be leading somewhere. First off, the the first time you show it to us, I I'm pretty sure we all know what's going on. Exactly. Like, okay. And instead, you show they show it like five more times, revealing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then it never really goes anywhere. I guess we're to believe that Mon- Montag uses this to like further his uh, his quest against, you know, this is like breaks the fireman out of and it. everything. Yeah, like breaks him out of it. It doesn't really connect. Like it, it feels like he's already down this path before yeah. he has this memory. So it couldn't have caused it. Right. I don't know. It Like you said, it seems important. It's given weight, but I it just doesn't really connect. Like, I don't connect the dots. I guess maybe you could say, and I don't think this, but this is maybe something you could say, is that in the end, Montag does something that's different from the book. He he, he has a moment where he could burn Beatty, and he's like, something about mercy, and he's like... He um, burns Douglas. Choice or something like that. He says something about choice. So maybe it was like his way of being like the better person and being like, you did this to my dad, but I'm going to be the better person in this situation. And you I know, feel like, you know, you know, who Douglas reminds me of a little bit. Who's that? Peter from Deadpool two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, spo- don't spoil it. I won't, spoil, spoil, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it, but he just looks kind of like him. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow he showed up in Fahrenheit 451. Let me just say that. <laughs> yep. So let's jump to, I guess right now I want to talk about Clarice. Let's talk about her characterization and things that are different from the book and everything and and why we were not fans. Yeah, so she is a traitor. We meet her because she's an informant. She's informing on eels and literally giving Beatty information, which Beatty is super handsy with her, which is really weird. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know what that was supposed to imply other than like maybe he's abusive towards women. (laughs) We don't see that elsewhere, but we do see it here. Yeah. Um. And and Montag's kind of like creepily standing there watching it happen. It was mm-hmm. we- weirdly voyeuristic at times where he was like, I don't know, gave me weird vibes. But anyway, yeah, so she's not really a likable person because she's she she is she's a rebel, but she doesn't even believe in it because she's selling the information. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because she's desperate. But like I said, that's not really shown to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I wanted to give the actress, or, or, you know, a little bit of credit because I did like the character. And the only reason I can explicitly, like it's her performance was good enough to where that person felt likable to me, even though the evidence we're given is that she's a traitor of her own, you know, with her own cause. I was just not a fan of the, of the change really. Like Clarice's character was important to me in the story. They might've all just named her something different in this because Clarice's character was important to me in the book because she represented the opposite of everything that was going on, right? She represented like reb- rebellion, kind of, without being like outward. She kind of was just showing Montag like a different way of life, like a different way to live, and like seeing the happiness and seeing the things that were important that he was like blind to. There was none of that really in yeah. her character. Maybe, maybe, maybe the harmonica thing, or, or yeah, the har- harmonica the night is supposed to be, I think the reference to that. I don't know, man. It it didn't even feel like even close. I don't even think you could call her Clarice in terms of this like the story i mean she's aged up turns into a love story um and i don't know we talked in the book episode maybe there there was some sort of attraction or something like that but that's definitely the way they went this time you know and 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 like i i you know like i know i know what they were doing like i know that she she was part of this group and then she moved away from it and she tried to acclimate into regular society and then now she's kind of going back 
And then that provides her like it provides Montag a path into this rebe- rebellious group. Like I understand how she works narratively, but that doesn't right. make it good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I don't want people to think like I don't understand why she is this way in this movie. Like I get it. I get what they were trying to do. I just don't think it worked very well. Yeah. You know what? You know what she also needs to have happen. And if you're going to write the story this way, she needs to have some sort of um, comeuppance for being a traitor. That never happens. She's never actually outed in front of anybody. I thought Beatty was going to do it, and then like he gets interrupted, right? Yeah. And, well, and 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 that's what needs to happen because otherwise that's an unaddressed betrayal that never goes anywhere. I guess just the tension of her potentially being turned in for it, but even so, it doesn't pay but off. But that's or nothing. Th- yeah, that's nothing actually happens because of it. That that tension doesn't matter if nothing comes of it, right? Right. Oh, well, before, before, just another little detail from early on in the movie. Um, when they're at that, like, school scene, you know, he's talking about books and these bad things and all this stuff. And then you, you referenced the uh, emoticon literature. And I just wanted to, 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 to mention, ask you, have you ever heard of Emoji Dick? Emoji Dick? No. Emoji Dick. It is a real book you can buy called Emoji Dick. And it's the entire novel of Moby Dick written entirely in emojis. How long is it? I don't know. Pretty long. It's it's like like literally every word from every page basically has been transcribed. Wow. Into emojis. I mean, good for that person. That's awesome. <laughs> it's cool. pretty crazy. Um, we were talking about this on one of my writing writing groups because I mentioned it and people didn't believe me, and I, I pulled it up in the internet. It's a real thing. So uh, I thought that was funny because they basically referenced that. Although it's actually worse than what we saw on screen because on their screens there was like words. Followed by emojis, right? Mm-hmm. Like interspersed with emojis. Right. Like a text message or something. That's not how the book is. It's actually just emojis. <laughs> I don't understand. There are no you, words. So you have to have like a like a key so you can translate? No. You just I mean, the key The key is the book. So you just, right? I mean, that's like, what I'm saying. Like you just book, have to so. figure it out and, and you're just like, I think I get what's happening. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll send it to you. And maybe, we'll, you know, we'll put a link in the show notes so people check it out. I think there's at least a sample of it. I don't think you can read the whole book, but you know, you can see what, what I'm talking about. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so around this time, Montag gets pulled into like this revolution. And interestingly enough, this is this is in the first book episode, I talked about how I thought that Montag might like join a resistance, an existing resistance, and and like become like really important to this. And I thought that was like a trope, maybe the book would go down. And less of a trope for the book because it was written, you know, sixty years ago, seventy years ago. Yeah. Um but they they went down that path in the movie, which I just thought I was like, oh, of course he's going to join the rebellion that's yeah. established, and we're going down this path. Which, by the way, it's kind of a, the inverse of uh, the Matrix. Everybody everybody in normal society wears like black leather, and the the rebellious group wears normal clothing. Yeah. <laughs> like I like black man, but oof. have you seen Equilibrium? I have seen Equilibrium. Yeah. Did you get a little bit of that from this movie? I definitely did. Yeah. That movie was, uh, I think, made in the '80s or maybe '90s, early '90s. Equilibrium, like that, yeah. I th- no, Wasn't that's got to be 2000. It's got to be like 2000. Was it really? Got to be. All right. Anyway, my point being, uh, it was. I think it, I don't know. It was lower budget, I believe, than this movie. And uh, I don't know. Just it, it, I, I, I guess I get a little bit of that. Like one of my quibbles with that movie is that that world doesn't feel super real. But yeah, I definitely got similar vibes, like like dystopian. You know, dystopian leather, <laughs> whatever right. that is. Like, yeah, there's got to be, that's a, that's a genre, right? Yeah, <laughs> dystopian, it should be. So I feel like one of the major things that I think could have helped this film is is having the wife who was who was in the book that was not anywhere in the in the movie. Um, I felt like the wife was our... Was Mildred, our, I think was her name. Mildred, yeah. I yeah. feel like Mildred was our entrance into this world and... That was like our way of seeing what a normal person looked like in this world. And I think that that's what this movie was missing, was seeing more people living in this world and what they're going through and how they've, how they've brought this on themselves. You might notice that uh, Beatty and Montag both had zero home life. They had no family. They had no children, no wife, nothing. And I agree with you, man. Like, we need to see what they're like. If we're going to see what they're like as firemen, we need to see what they're like at home. And, it, and like, we do, but it's just them both, like being conflicted in their own like you know solitude um and that's not nearly as affecting as seeing them interact with another human being now you could say the stand-in is um their alexa you know i forget what it's called like yuri or something Mm -hmm. stand-in which was you know appropriately kind of creepy and 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 it felt like it was trying to say that 
I was trying to say that uh, Amazon is listening kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that and it was creepy, but I, I, that's not a stand in for a character. Like, you know what I mean? Like we still, I think we still needed a character. I agree with you. While we're talking about the home life, we should definitely talk about the fact that Beatty was, was writing uh, like yeah. little, little scr- on little scraps of paper. Um, yeah. And this is what I think you were talking about before, but I really, I really enjoyed that he was doing this. And I felt like this is part of the reason why I bought Beatty as a character um, had this not been in the movie, I don't know if he would have felt as real. Um, just this writing of the paper and his the fact that he is conflicted and he kind of says something to Montag more than he does even in the book that he's conflicted, but he's fighting. He always fights his urges and all that stuff. I, I just thought that that was a highlight for me, like a welcome. Yeah. Part. When I was mentioning the complexity they added or they brought to that character, like it's like they heightened that stuff in the book because there was similar vibes. But yeah, the idea that he has felt the temptation that he fully understands why Montag is interested, you know, in what in what's in those books. Because he's been interested himself, mm-hmm. and he's given into that temptation, and he's clearly read some of them. And he kind of pass, pawns it off as, like, because of his position and mm-hmm. what he was allowed to read. But, you know, we're seeing that he's doing it above and beyond when he's writing this stuff down at home. Um, so yeah, like there was, I liked that part of his character, the idea that he truly understood Montag and and they have a very father son relationship in this movie, which was cool. And like, like I felt his, his love hate for Montag too, right? Like he, he does love him in like a weird father son way, but then he also is furious with him for betraying and for daring to do the thing that he was unable to do, you know, like he, he has the bravery to do the thing that Beatty didn't ever do. And I think there was a cool payoff to to all of this with Beatty is in the end, the, like we get Montag letting the, the bird free. And at first I'm like, come on, is he really not going to burn it? And then I realized I'm like, oh, OK, this is his moment where he's like he had the chance to burn this to burn the bird, but he hesitates and he doesn't do it. And I think he I think it's less of a hesitation and more of him saying, like, what's going to happen now? You know what I mean? Like he's he's so curious and. He's always been tempted by this stuff, so he's like, he lets it go, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That was the way I read that, too. Like, he had a moment where he could have. He could have burned it, and he didn't. And and I, that does, I mean, this this is the final scene, but hey, we're jumping around. Does Beatty burn Montag in the final scene? Do you think it's obvious and clear that that's what happened, or do you think there's any chance that something else happens? Um, I think he burned him. What do you think? I think you could argue, and I think in a, in a better, in a superior film, where people loved it and wanted to debate these kind of things, I mm-hmm. think there would be a debate about whether or not Beatty burns himself. Because okay. um, uh, Montag, at the last we see him, you can see the flames kind of reflected in his face. Mm-hmm. And you could say that's the flames approaching him. But right. you could also say that's him seeing, you know, uh, Beatty burning himself in front of him. Right. Um, now, we don't see him, like, turn the nozzle towards himself or anything like that. So it, you'd have to imagine that that happens without showing us. But uh, all we see is him scream, and then we get a reverse shot of, the of like, the flames on, on uh, Montag's face, right? So it's also, we don't actually see the fire leaving in a, you know, coming straight at him, I don't think. Mm, yeah i we get like um he's like pointing it with the flames it doesn't shoot out but then we get like um the the reaction shot basically where he's his eyes are, montag's eyes are closed and then like i think the very last shot is like flames so it's not like he's being hit by flames it's just like flames take over the screen and you're not really sure right yeah could be burns i don't know i, I don't know like i said it, it, this movie doesn't really make me want to think about it because i don't really care enough to but, you know, in a different movie, I think this is a debate that people could have. I think, yeah. I mean, I think that that was definitely the filmmaker's intent was like, I would like to leave some sort of doubt or something here. That's why he didn't show it, you know? Right. So uh, let's just let's just catch back up to where we actually are right now. Basically, Montag joins up with this revolutionary group and he is kind of like, I'll help you guys do whatever. And he has to like get this transmitter or something. He goes to get the transmitter and has a confrontation with with Beatty, and then Beatty's like, "Are you back?" and and Montag's like, "I'm back," to the to the to the firefighting force or whatever, and they then they go to Montag's house. Montag doesn't right. know, but they go to a to a mission or whatever they're going on a call, and they get to Montag's house, and, and this that's is right out of the book, right? Yeah, that that leads to him burning Douglas. <laughs> we do get a cool we do get a pretty cool speech in there um, from Beatty. You know, there's a little bit of monologuing by that character from the right out of the book. And I think, you know, that and when they're in the library, I think, is the two 
big moments for him. And, yeah. and I thought he nailed both. Michael Shannon nailed both of those moments. I think so too. He I did a fairly him. good job of basically be saying something similar to the speeches in the books. I think the book yeah. speeches are superior, but uh, that's another scene that we should talk about is that the scene it's basically straight out of the book. They, they oh go my God. before, before we get ahead, before, uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you because I just remembered an amazing line that made me laugh out loud, which I rarely do. But Michael Shannon is, uh, is, is talking to Douglas. Who's just tailed, uh, Montag and seen him get in the truck and then <laughs> and he says and I quote the next time I tell you to follow someone you crawl into their asshole you hear me <laughs> yeah I remember that part it's pretty funny <laughs> oh so good Michael Shannon saying this stuff is what <laughs> is what really sells it to like I can see uh and on the flip side of that uh early on Montag says if you hide from me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize, which I was like, oh, no, you didn't just fucking copy Reservoir Dogs and, like, change a couple words and act like you wrote a brilliant line. Yeah. Like, literally, the, you know, Reservoir Dogs, if you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. First right. off, better line. Second off, like, that's not an homage. That's, like, a fucking ste- that's yeah. theft. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. It was, I would it was just, bad. Yeah, yeah. It didn't fit this anything about this movie either. It felt weird. Yeah, I'm sure that they thought that it was a reference, but they that was definitely leaned way too far into just basically stealing the line. There's no head. There's no tip of the hat or anything in there. It's basically just saying no. like, look how cool this line is. Yeah, it was like, oh, I have this. Yeah, look at the sweet line I came up with all on my own. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the scene in the library with the self-emulating yes. woman. Okay. Basically, very similar to what happens in the book, right? Yeah, very similar. Yeah. I liked how she had books strapped to her chest like they were IEDs or whatever. That was pretty cool. I thought she was going to pull out like some sort of, I thought she was like opening that jacket or whatever to, to reveal like, like you said, like a bomb or I thought she was uh-huh. going to have something attached to her that would light her on fire. Like she was ready to yeah. light herself on fire. Yeah. It was just books strapped mm-hmm. to her chest. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. After they, after ba- we're jumping ahead again, back to where Beatty yeah. and they're at, they're at Montag's I, house. I don't know, man. I'm all over the place with this, with this yeah. summary. I, I just want to talk about certain scenes that it, yeah, yeah, I hope that if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, you're you don't care because this is yeah. the, you're not going to get the story from our from our no. descriptions it, here. It, it feels honestly, this movie just doesn't feel like it's worth getting into every scene. It just it, you know what I mean? Like it's not that's not going to be interesting. I don't think. But there is some a scene I want to talk about because it was interesting to me. One of the one of the standouts actually, um, when they're in the firehouse and uh, Montag, uh, Beatty commands him to read from the book. I think it's um, Crime and Punishment. Um, um, I think so. Anyway, he's reading it, and then Beatty starts lighting it on fire while he's reading it from the top, and it starts burning down. And the, that scene of him holding it—that was a really cool. Like that looked cool. That was awesome. And then him like closing it, putting out the fire, and then like uh, telling him to open it up again and lighting it again. And it was obvious he was holding a real burning book too. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't faked, which I yeah. thought was cool too. Right? Like it looked that looked good. Mm-hmm. And as as Montag was reading, Beatty was like mouthing the the words that he was reading because he like knew it that well and had you know right. he's that familiar with it i i don't know that was probably i think you're right that was probably honestly the best scene maybe that in the library looking around at the books and he's like you may never see this again in your whole career and all that stuff yeah and that was that was like a that was a genuine moment for me as someone who loves books you know like see like i love like a room like that full of books is just a treasure trove you know right. and seeing that is really cool now he does see that again later in the movie um you know, at the, at the eels place. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. I have a shout out to something that I thought was cool was when Clarice got the book from Montag when they first met up and like he hands it to her and she like smells it. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like that is a thing that like, if you're familiar with that smell and then books, you know, oh, yeah. book, book lovers know, no. yeah. you, you know, the smell, the smell of new book smells good. The smell of old book smells good. Right. It's all, it's all great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when they're at now, I'm not saying this was good. This is just, I, I, I wanted to mention it. They have him stat, like act like he's going to stab a fireman. He like charges at the guy to stab him. And then the last second, a guy hops out and he's like, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. And, and then the guy pulled the mask off. And, and I was, whew, I was like, they let that get really close. <laughs> I don't think, uh, I don't think I'd want to sign up for that job. Um, somebody charging at you with intent to kill and mm-hmm. you're going to hop out and just say, stop, stop, stop. And hope that he like, doesn't right. actually do it. Well, I, I literally, as the, as the music is building in that part, I looked over at Caitlin and I was just like, all right, here we go. And then as, as it gets really close, I was like, stop. And I literally said it at the exact same time as the guy, the guy popped out and said, stop, because I knew somebody was going to, there's no way that this is going to 
go down like that. Yeah. I did like him practicing by stabbing the bag. That felt very real. Yeah. That, moments like that needed to be more in this movie, where sure. I felt like this was a real person. Exactly. I like the idea of him psyching himself up to do it. That was cool. Definitely. It might have been an actor's choice, you know what I mean? Might have been just like... Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that happens, right? Like we want to give all the credit to the actors. Who knows? Maybe, you know, that might have been the director having a, a good moment. A lot of the time, I, I find myself wanting to give the filmmaker the benefit of the doubt. I'm always like, yeah. I'm sure it was this. I'm sure it was that. Did you see a very particular uh, book in Montag's collection when they when they pulled yeah, out yeah. his house to burn it? Yeah, I saw it. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, I was like, I bet James was happy about that. Yeah, I wonder if that was like uh, some sort of choice. You know what I mean? Like, like my fan fiction. It's like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, fan fiction for a movie I didn't like. Then uh, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan was like, "I want to have Harry Potter in there or something." You know what I mean? Yeah, it very well easily could have been somebody just saying like, "I wanted it." The filmmaker, whoever. It, yeah, it is like one of the biggest books ever, so I guess it. Yeah. You know. Oh no, it totally makes sense that it'd be in there, and I was happy to see at least one, like, because uh, otherwise it was a lot of classic literature. Right. Um, as someone who knows a lot of books and you know what I mean, re- reads a lot and is very into that world. I was on the lookout for new, like new novels in there, mm-hmm. and there was very few of them. Right. Um, in fact, Harry Potter was one of the one of the only ones I, I noticed. Now I didn't read every, I didn't like stop stop it and read every spine when you know when there was big piles. But we can do that next time we watch it. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I when I saw it, I definitely shouted out. I was like, oh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I'm glad I also did. <laughs> so uh, let's start, let's start wrapping up and start talking about the ending here because. Um, when he doesn't burn Beatty and he burns Douglas instead, did you think, I felt like that was a mistake. Like just burn, burn Beatty there. I know what they were building. They were building to something different, but it's just like, that's the, the, oh shit moment in the book where he's like, he burns it. And then like everything that happens after is like, yeah, setting up for, and and I thought, um, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be setting the table for him, maybe burning Beatty later, but yeah, he doesn't burn Beatty at all. In fact possibly the opposite happens um yeah i don't know i agree with you it just it felt like they were thinking what is the expected thing here right what is it that audiences are used to what is it that audiences are going to be happy with let's which do is that. it which well i will say <laughs> i will say in general i think it's a good idea to sub- subvert expectations but you should subvert no, expectations no, no, saying, and also i think they were meeting them they were trying to meet expectations oh you they think like, they were like let's well, not yeah because i don't i don't think see i think audiences don't expect montag to burn Beatty in that moment that's why it's shocking when it happens in the book that's true yeah but what they do expect is for him to maybe you know i don't know like i guess douglas maybe was a little bit unexpected too but it's not Beatty. that's right. not you know what i mean like Beatty is such a major character in the book and when he dies it's like oh shit that major character died right and if Beatty had died right at that moment it's the same thing here if they had killed him he's yeah. such an important character to the narrative that you're like oh shit like this movie's like in the end game now like we like Beatty's yeah. gone like what happens now it leaves you like on right. on your back foot and, like, you, and you, that doesn't happen right so I think it was the safer and more boring choice yep and and I, I literally think Douglas was was introduced as a terrible character just so that he could burn somebody because it's such an iconic part from the book and they could say, well, he burned somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's unfortunate. But after after all that goes down, he like throws down a grenade and like shoots it with the flamethrower and gets away. Yeah, and- it gets away on foot, which, um, you know, when I read the book that was written in the 50s made a lot more sense, but in um, a modernized tech, you know, like I wanted to see something. I don't know. It was too easy for him to just run away on the street. Well, he eventually didn't... Didn't. Um, they come and pick him up, I think. Yeah, they pick him up at some point, I think. But anyway, regardless, he, he joins back up with the Rebels, and uh, or he's on his way to join back up with the Rebels, and somehow, even though Douglas is burned alive, um, all those firefighters get in their fire truck and beat them back to this place, to this like hideout, where the black hole area where all the uh, eels are holed up with the DNA bird, the mutant DNA bird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that character, by the way, who was also like the keeper of the bird. We didn't talk about him. Yeah. Interesting. He's memorized like so many thousands of books. Uh, we get the idea again from the from the novel of people memorizing books and becoming them. Um, it was a little bit ham fisted, though. It was like, I don't know, like it was almost like they were they were leaning on it too hard for me. And, mm-hmm. and again, once again, I just don't know if I believe that people can do that. Like, I guess I believe that there are people who exist who can do that. Right. But I don't believe that they're they're easy to find and you can gather a bunch of them together, you know, like without it being crazy. Yeah. I do I do think it's interesting that he like maybe died at the end. 
when he was like in the barn thing. I don't know if he died, but he was like passed out oh, or whatever on the floor. That that guy, the yeah, keeper, I, yeah, I guess, I guess he did because it was burned, like that was like I was expecting books. him to kind of be like the book of Eli. Like I thought he was going to be like the person carrying on. It's the bur- it's the burb of Eli. The bird of Eli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did want to say uh, at one point, no, twice in the movie they say time to burn for America again. And they say it like a couple times, like it's like really important. Mm-hmm. And it was very clearly, I think, them trying to say, this is very similar to Make America Great Again. And yeah, fuck MAGA. Like I'm with them. Right. Um, you know? I mean, yeah, good for <laughs> I get the it. Shot. I guess I get it's it. like a, you know, silver lining is that we kind of got them saying fuck <laughs> MAGA. But it doesn't work. No, it I sounds agree. terrible. And the way they, they like, they, it's so, it's so heavy handed. And it's so obvious. It's like they're trying to shoehorn it into the movie. They're like, you know what we should do? We should have them say something that's very similar to MAGA. And, and, and you know, even if it doesn't make sense, we're going to fucking put it in there. Time to burn for America again. Like, again makes no sense. Like, that again should not be there. Um, it well, just, we know why the again is in there. Yeah, we exactly. It's, and that's the only reason. It's so obvious. Right. Like, we can all get together and say that was kind of stupid. Yeah. I agree. I, I think that I, I like, like I said before, I like some of the social commentary that was trying to be said. I just don't know if it was pulled off every time. The final scene, they're like, they show up to the eel place and the whole place is engulfed in flame. And uh, Montag like runs in and like finds the bird and like starts detaching the transponder and like is going to release it. Um, and we talked about it before. He releases it as Beatty is there and Beatty sees it, chooses not to burn it. And it flies away, and we get like a couple of minutes of a bird flying in. Which, by the way, oh, there is like a world where mm-hmm. there's like still forests and and fields, and it actually looks pretty nice out there. Yeah, you get out of the city. It was like Cleveland, so apparently Cleveland's just terrible, <laughs> um, and everything else is fine. Although I guess that is kind of true in the book too, right? Like whenever he goes out to the countryside, everything's like seems to be pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good to go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just felt, it felt like almost like scenes from a different movie when they showed that bird flying at the end. Yeah. It was weird. It was, it was, it almost felt like footage from, yeah, it felt like stock footage of some birds flying a little bit. (laughs) All right. So I feel like we pretty much covered everything, man. At this point, we've talked about basically everything I wanted to touch on. So if you're cool, I think we should wrap here. Yeah, man. Sounds good to me. I think, um, at the end we should talk about one last thing. And I think we should just kind of mention one more positive thing that we felt about this movie since we were both pretty down on it. Um, so okay. think about that. I'll I'll try. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll desperately try. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, we'll talk about that at the very end. So we mentioned it in the middle, but we just wanted to shout out our Patreon again one last time. And uh, also a big shout out to Steve E. Uh, or Stephen E. He's a $10 patron. He's been with us from the beginning. A uh, huge supporter of the podcast. Uh, and you know, we, we, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks Steve. So if you wanted to become a patron as well, just go to patreon.com forward slash ink to film. And speaking of Patreon, our patron has just found out, uh, that we are going to be doing Jurassic park next. Uh, super excited about that, man. How about you? I cannot wait, man. I love the movie. I haven't read the book in a very long time. I read it phew, a long time ago. So I'm excited wait, to you get have, back. To- you have read the book? Yeah. Yeah. A long time ago though. Like I've never read it, so this is going to be my first time. Yeah. That's cool. This That'll be a unique uh, dynamic I don't think we've had yet, so that'll be cool. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it, man. I One of my favorite movies, so, uh, you know, I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm so excited. Definitely. But yeah, uh, we hope you guys join us for that, too. Also, if you wanted to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's at Ink to Film. We're active on there, so anything you send our way, we will definitely see. And, and another way to give us feedback is to send us an email to inktofilm at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of this movie. Um, I'm definitely going to be curious to know. I'm like, I bet there's going to be people who liked it and are going to think they were full of shit. Um, I mean, every movie that's going to be true. But Or did you think we were right about certain things? You know, I, I just want to know. You know. Send us an email. We'll, give, we'll, we'll read it. We'll check it out. Um, we love to get feedback like that. Definitely, yeah. If you disagree with us, we would love to hear like a different viewpoint because maybe you'll change our minds on some stuff so if you wanted to help the podcast out other than becoming a patron you could uh rate and review that helps us out a lot it helps people see our podcast um it helps us just get more eyes on there on itunes or spotify google play wherever you listen to podcasts it would be very helpful yeah i just found out that you we have reviews from other countries on our itunes but you can't view them without switching it 
It's complicated. But the point is, uh, if you listen to this podcast outside of the outside of America, you'd be a huge bonus to leave us a review because we, we might not have any reviews. And you know what I mean? In that part of the world. So any review would be would be huge. We wanted to say thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of our intro and outro music. All right. Let's end on a positive note. I feel like we've oh, talked wait, about yeah, a lot positive. Of I forgot. <laughs> So positive note, uh, I don't know, end with something fun, something interesting we haven't talked about that you that you wanted to end on. All right, you go first. I got a thing. All right, my first thing is, although I think that it's less powerful that, that Montag had like VHSs and technology hidden in his, in his like air vent instead of having books, I don't think it really, I don't think it kind of draws the same emotion by him having all that stuff hidden. I did think it was cool that he had like taxi driver on like a blockbuster VHS video and then oh, like he had like film stock he was like looking at the film film for a second and it was like it was singing in the rain so it was like okay i can oh, i can cool. always get behind some movie references i don't know if this is positive or not um but there was a moment where i thought that that i thought that you were going to be right and that they were going to destroy the city um when he when the order comes down to burn like to like burn the city i was like oh shit they're going to like burn the city i thought we were about to have literally like a scene where the entire city is on fire and instead it was like, no, nah, they just kind of went out and rounded up a bunch more eels, yeah, I guess, and burned more books. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, I thought they were going to be like, just burn it all, and then in there, you'll get all the eels, but like, fuck everybody. Right. That would have been powerful, man. Would have been, been dark. It would have yeah. been interesting. It would have been similar to the book with the bombs, um, but that's not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that counts as positive, but <laughs> I thought you were almost right. Yeah. All right. I think that's it for this time, guys. Till next time, I'm James. And I'm Luke. See you for Jurassic Park. Thanks for listening.